Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, Adobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes, caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? It's too early to wish a happy fourth, but I, I guess it's not really. We're in the we're in the heat of the fourth, right? Yeah. And that weekend, the way it's fallen and everything this year. So, um, so yeah, happy fourth then. Yeah, never too early. Uh, never I accept too early. those in September. <laughs> what are you up to? Um, you know, actually I said from just outside of New York city, I said that out of, I guess, habit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm down the Jersey shore with my family, my whole, like a lot of my family. Um, there's now more kids here than almost ever because my, I have my two and then we're with my sister and her husband and they have two, including a two month old. So there's a lot going on. There's a puppy. My parents got a, a new dog. So that is added uh, a variable to the mix with a lot with four kids seven or under um that has made things interesting as much as i love dogs puppies combined with children like that little can sometimes be uh a a formula for for disaster what's what's Um, it they say in tv never work with with children or animals well in this case we're working with all of them (laughs) they're all here uh but it's been fun. It's been great. I love 4th of July weekend. It's a great, great outdoor weekend. Weather's great for anybody else down the Jersey shore. I'm sure you can, um, you can corroborate that. And, uh, and yeah, but I was up late, late last night. We went out to dinner, JJ. And so I DVR'd, um, the U S Trinidad final group stage match game and, uh, figured, okay, when we get home, we'll, you know, we'll get home from dinner. We'll hang out for a little bit and then I'll watch the game when everyone goes to bed, which I did. Now I should say, where I am, the part of the Jersey Shore that I'm at is like a it's it's like Philadelphia section of the Jersey Shore. You know how like north of like Atlantic City is kind of like New York territory. Yes. You get like the New York TV channels and south of there, south maybe Tom's River is more the point, but like south of there is the Philadelphia section. Obviously, that's the part that I'm in. But what I didn't Obviously. realize was well, what I didn't realize though was so I turned on the recording and in the suburbs of Philadelphia, there was horrible weather yesterday and so the whole the whole first half of the game on the on tv in philadelphia the game was in a tiny box with no audio and they had it up in in a tiny corner of the screen while the local fox affiliate in philadelphia came on and did live weather for almost an hour and a half or an hour of tornado warnings all throughout the area and they were following the storm so it was 
Uh, I hope everyone's okay, first and foremost, for if there were in fact tornadoes that that made that touched down. Um, that's awful, and that's what's most important. However, for the soccer public of Philadelphia that were trying to watch, it was it was not the most ideal way to take in a game. So uh, it was in like a tiny court. You know how that is when like yeah, I know how it goes. In. So I, I mean, the game is not the focal point of the broadcast at that point. It's not it's even a, a little bit. Yeah. It's a man telling you about storms. He's dominating. In this case, this... Kathy Orr, a woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I always think of Lee Goldberg or one of the guys up here. Um, no, no. Yeah. There's a, Kathy, there... Kathy Orr was taking us through everything going on in Chester County last night, uh, weather-wise she... in Philadelphia. What did she do? Because I, I some of them have these kind of, um, I suppose you call it affectations, I've noticed. So if, if the storms are serious, one of the guys, uh, and forgive me for not remembering his name, in New York will roll up his sleeves and take off his jacket. Oh, I mean, no, she was... She was great. She's excellent. Like she's been on TV in Philadelphia for for years. Yeah. Um. So she's she's really good. Um. It's just like a, it just even me who like I was turning it on to watch soccer. Like I'm a, a obsessive U.S. men's national team fan. Group stage match. Like I, that's what I wanted to watch. And it was even hard for me to focus because like as you're hearing about tornadoes, like my eyes just kept drifting away from the tiny corner back to like her Doppler. And like what was going on there. So it was hard to focus on. So the first half was kind of kind of a rumor to me. But then at halftime, they switched back uh, to regular coverage. So the second half, I had John Strong and Stu Holden again. But anybody in Philadelphia knows what I'm talking about right now, because that's what was going on. During so the you Gold missed the, you missed the first half storm, you could say, from Jesus Ferreira. Well, I yeah, missed in the sense that I didn't have commentary and that it was really, really small. But I saw it. <laughs> And I'm prepared to talk about it, JJ. I don't, I don't have too much else on what went on in the group stage for the U.S. If you have some big, you know, big takeaways that you have from these first three games, then I, I'm more than happy to get into them. But no, right no. now, right now, I feel like the story is, is Jesus Ferreira, and I feel I, like that's kind of so. where we should start. I, I think so too, and I think one of one of the reasons it is the story is because you know last night was another shellacking for one of the smaller teams in Concacaf, and albeit a team that has given us trouble, <laughs> very notable trouble. But uh, there was a lot of introspection after the game, I noticed on Twitter, on soccer Twitter, USMNT Twitter, and CONCACAF Twitter, if there is such a thing. I was basically reflecting on the quality of opposition in the group stage so far mm-hmm. and the tournament, where does it go from here? How can it become more equal? Or, or how can we not have as many uh, blowouts Uh and, you know, honestly, you, you can reflect on that um, if, if you want to. Trinidad and Tobago, a, a football association in turmoil, a team not in great shape. And to be fair, the U.S. played really well and put them to the sword. Um, and as I know from supporting the Republic of Ireland, whenever you come up against opposition of a lower caliber, it it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a cakewalk. If anything, it be, can become difficult and turgid and terse and hard to hard to get through. Um, but uh, I mean, the US were they made short work of. Look, Trinidad and Tobago p- presented more than um, Saint Kitts and Nevis did, but at the same time, it was short work for the US. And and I guess in a way that should be applauded. Of course, it beat them six nil. I mean, it was like you said it. That competition was never supposed to be truly difficult for the U.S., but it didn't need to be 6-0. Um, so, yeah, it is something 
of course, it's something to be applauded. You should be happy about that. It was a fun watch. I, I mean, I'm an American fan. They scored a lot of goals. They played extremely well. Uh, yeah, that's what they were supposed to do. But I'm not going to be not going to be upset about it or or like you know, it is it's a fun fun night. Uh, not doesn't need to be doesn't need to be broken down any more than that. Um, however, it kind of is because of Jesus Ferreira, yes. because of what's happened with him over the last two games, and no one knows how to feel about this. Or I should rephrase that. Everyone knows how to feel about it. <laughs> There's just two competing ways of of thinking in it. Um, so, for example, there's the one side of it, which is, okay, he's scoring all these goals, back-to-back hat-tricks, and I believe it's now 14 goals in 21 international appearances for Jesus Ferreira. But when you go back and look at the teams that he's done it against, it's not impressive. It, that's just a fact. It's not an impressive list of opposition that he has scored these goals against. No. Um, so, so that is part of the equation here. Um, however, you also then, I believe it was Heath Pierce that I saw tweet last night. I don't have the tweet in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing, but it was something to the effect of Josie Dempsey, Landon McBride. Like he went through a bunch of the the big names strikers for the U S he said, they've all played against that same, those same caliber of opposition. They've never done that, which is three back-to-back hat tricks that hadn't been done before by an American male. Um, and so there's also that way of thinking about it. Um, You've said this for a while, JJ. We've known this for a while. Jesus Ferreira is emerging as the new lightning rod in the thunderstorm of American soccer. Yes, he, he is. is. And, it, and it's dreadfully unfortunate for him because what is he supposed to do with the with the opposition? He is not currently in the in the top rank of 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 selectable forwards for the US men's national team. Um, so he is going to play in these games against the smaller opposition in gold cups and he's going to run up the score. So I think we have to we have to do something a little bit different to be fair to him. Um, and I, I agree with Heat's point. Um, and just to quote what he said, he said, you, you all know how many times Landon, Clint, Josie, Eddie, Brian played against really poor national teams and didn't get hat tricks. Um, I, I think we have to look at it in a, under a different criteria. Like how did he take the goals? What were the finishes like? Did he show what he has shown quick feet? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that he's taken his goals extremely well. I mean, it's, it's like last night. Uh, Cade Cowell's goal. I mean, it's dreadful from Trinidad to Pago. It's awful. I don't know what kind of a, I don't know what they were thinking, but Cowell was quick. He gets onto it, goes around the keeper, scores. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Nothing except say that's a tidy finish, terrible defending. Um, And I think Ferreira needs a break, but we don't allow this kind of thing to just happen. Like other countries the player scores these goals against and against a inferior opposition and they move on. We don't because it's part of a larger culture war within us soccer about what is a worthy place to play and who are worthy players to represent us and who are those who can represent us at the highest level. And that is a constant. It never, ever ends. It's ongoing. It's as long as I've lived in this country, it's the same argument. And, uh, Jesus Ferreira falls into the category of not in Europe, plays mostly against the minnows, not up to it. Why are we making a big deal? Yeah, uh, I almost don't know what we would what we would talk about here in this country if if that didn't exist. If there was no like multiple leagues that he could play in where he could test himself, uh, like what what would we even talk about? It's it occupies so much of the airspace of soccer talk in this country. Um, 
the way I kind of look at it is, is sort of like, I understand it. Like I, I definitely, like when I looked at the list of the teams that he had scored against, I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a bit of, a bit of an asterisk there. There just is. I, sure. I can't help but remove myself from that. But, but ultimately the place that I land on is okay, fine. But like, why be mad about that or aggravated by it? Because ultimately no one is saying that he's Balogun. Like nobody is saying that when the, except when Alexi Lattes. But like nobody's saying that like he's our number one now after these games. That's not it. To me, it's more a question of like, do you want to win this tournament? Yes. Then be happy that you can do that potentially without having to play your number one striker or even Ricardo Pepe, your number two striker in that top slot. Like I want to win this tournament. It's it's cool that we have somebody who can who can do this sort of job for us without it having to be our top guy every single time that we have depth. I think this is a perfect moment to say that um, this is a trope. This is a uh, a very American argument to have. And we're going to do our top 10 most American things about American soccer in honor of July 4th very soon. So if you guys, even if you're not into the Gold Cup and you're, you're not bothered about it, some of this is very, uh, what's the word, Andrew? Germane to what's to come. Apropos. Apropos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, um, I should say as well, Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane has a lot of goals against the Minnows. A lot of goals against the Minnows. And he is 68. And I'm not comparing Jesus Ferreira Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane also has, what, 100 and something uh, Premier League goals. But, you know, there are strikers, most strikers, have a lot of goals against bad teams. It's the way it works. Especially in, in international play. Exactly, uh, and and we Jesus roll, Ferreira we roll through Harry Kane's goals. See how many of them came against the Faroe Islands or, or San Marino. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus Ferreira is boxed in somewhat by by who he plays for, uh, meaning he plays for the B team of the U.S. Men's National Team. So, like, again, allowing ourselves to be happy about things, we can't do it. No, we can't do it because it's always this tension that we have in the game, and it's no longer about Euro snobs. And um, and MLS supporters, it's, it's more than that. It's kind of metastasized and spread out. And and like, I don't see a solution to it. I, I find it very, very hard to have a conversation about American soccer without a conversation um, about how, you know, well, we got to make sure we have more players in Europe. That the, There is a huge sense of inferiority about MLS players. And there's also more than that. There's a a joy some people have in in beating up on their own team. Their national team is playing, but it's not the national team they want to see. And it's the national team of a league they, they deem to be inferior. So it becomes, again, what I spoke about before, like a large pinata. Um, and, and it's funny. There, was, there are some funny tweets. Um, someone tweeted out, um, it was a, a, a super cut of Ronaldo, like uh, original Ronaldo. At his peak for Barcelona, beating people left, right, and center, and it wasn't like it was. It was chopped together, uh, it very, very fast. And uh, the title was Jesus Ferreira when he comes up against Gold Cup opposition. <laughs> you know, so yeah. there is there is some funny stuff to come out of it. But sure. we do. I mean, his whole nickname now, JJ, the Pirate of the Caribbean. I mean, it's <laughs> it's all tongue in cheek, all of it. That's fine. Like we can have fun with it. I just think it's unfortunate that it becomes adversarial 
battle so quickly. Like, I don't know why, as American fans, we can't just all watch the Gold Cup, see this guy scores hat tricks in two consecutive games, and say, boy, isn't it awesome that our third striker can do this? Uh, instead, it becomes like I don't know why it has it becomes combative quickly. You know, he be it is he be, because there's it, it, him scoring goals becomes a reason to make fun of him. Like, I what's just, he supposed to do? It, it, it would be, would he be better off not scoring? Andrew, at at the soul of U.S. soccer, there is this battle: the right way to do soccer, the wrong way to do soccer. Right? Yeah, the wrong way to do soccer. A guy who plays in like Dallas, okay. The right way to do soccer, a guy who plays in the middle of the Eredivisie and scores yeah. maybe 10, 12 goals a season. There is this um, inferiority complex, sadomasochism, <laughs> or, like uh, just a, a general. And I mean, I understand having inferiority complexes. Imposter syndrome is another one. All that is in the mix here. When, whenever we watch a game and it's the lens through through which a lot of people watch a game. I guarantee you there'll be some people who will have sat down, not bothered about the Gold Cup, right? And they'll be casual soccer fans, but they'll be USMNT fans. And they'll sit down and go, oh, yeah, this is on. And they'll see Ferreira and they'll go, wow, wow, God, look, at geez, quick feet there. Very, very good. Okay, opposition's not great. Let me just check. Ferreira, where is he at now? Dallas, this is. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. Let me ask you. I mean, you might be able to relate a little bit, like, with with Ireland. Yes. Are the play like if there's a guy who's like if if Ireland are playing against poor opposition and like a striker from Dundalk comes on and and you know lights them up, is it celebrated or is it mocked? How's it handled there? Oh, it would be handled in a similar fashion, not quite okay. as aggressively, but um, but 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 don't even think about that. Think about our own manager. Our own manager largely his success comes from the League of Ireland and bringing Dundalk into European football, into the group stages of Europa League. We are going through that right now, basically with Stephen Kenny, that he's not good enough because he's not good enough because he hasn't done it at the highest level because he's only done it within his own domestic league. So forget players. We've got this, this battle going on right now within our management team. And I, I guarantee you, Andrew, if a player from Bowes or a player from Shells had a great, great season, was pulled up for a friendly and scores against uh, Oman or against um, uh, San Marino. Yes, those things will be said. Let's see him do it against England. Let's see him do it against Belgium. Let's mm. see him do it against Switzerland. Never mind any of those. So that's, that is the way it works. It does happen, but it's not as ingrained. Like, we have inferiority complexes about our league. Absolutely. And there is internal battles between what's good for the national team what's good for uh, the league and how those two aren't always um, running concurrently. But it's not, it's just not as nasty or aggressive or as entrenched as it is here. It's interesting. They're they're Again, I feel like I would love to just have a podcast where we could just have on, I've said this many times, a, a psychiatrist of some sort to just break down so much of this stuff. Cause there's, it feels like there's there's more to this here uh, as to why we are the way that we are in this way. Um, last bit on Ferreira. Ultimately, for me, he's 22. Like he's only 22 years old, and I feel like a lot of a lot of U.S. soccer fans kind of judged him when he was just barely old enough to buy a, a beer, or even before that. Yeah, I'd like to. I mean, ultimately, look, I, I don't want to fall into the Euro snob category, but like. I'd like to see him go to Europe too, because I genuinely don't know what this player is just yet. 
and that may be the only way where I feel like I can truly kind of find out and get the proper gauge of just how good of a player he potentially can be. But I do know this in the meantime, I'm not going to lash out when he does well, just because I'm not sure yet how good of a player he is. I saw him do that these last two games and I was, I was happy. I was happy for him. I was happy that the U S are winning and that they're playing well in a tournament that I would like to see them win. I don't see a reason to S on it. Um, I neither, I, neither do I. And you, you know what I'm like, I'm always kind of like, ugh, I, I kind of get, I was, I was, um, I was admonished on the Reddit page for not oh. being enthusiastic enough or not like seemingly tired or bored of the conversation about the game um, against St. Kitts and Nevis. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to argue with that one. I'll hold my hand. No, up. no. You, what you did was, it was really on an American based podcast, the way you treated it was, it was kind of offensive. Not going to fight you. I, I tried. I tried to make it interesting, and you right. laughed at me. You laughed at everyone, uh, and I'm glad that you've had a reckoning with that. No, I, I'm. I'm. I can take criticism. I can. I can. I. I'm capable of self-reflection uh, sometimes, and um, <laughs> and I, fair enough. I, I came across as jaded, tired. It's not that I didn't want to do the pod because I think I, I perked up when we started talking about <laughs> Harry Kane chasing the goal-scoring record in the Premier League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I, 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 I was, I was wrong. I was. I was jaded, and um, and I and I apologize for that. But, um, you know, it's uh, you kind of just have to take everything as it comes in this tournament. And right now, we're not playing against the cream of the cream. Uh, and you know, Jesus Ferrer, Jesus Ferrer is scoring these goals. Would we like to see him get to Europe? We definitely would. I do think the clock is ticking on that one, Andrew. Like at twenty-two, he's he's twenty. He's twenty-two. I'd say he's got to go within the within the next two years. He should probably, if he wants to, if he wants to, he might be happy in MLS. And like, by the way, that's fine too. That's, that, that's fine. Like, I don't laugh at this league. I think MLS not is a really fine. good league. He's got to be better. in Europe. It's If he wants to stay in MLS, it's fine. Now, what that might do, it might put a cap on how high he can ascend in terms of the U.S. men's national team depth chart. Maybe he's okay with that. Um, or maybe he thinks he can break through that cap as the league continues to grow and, and the prestige of it continues to grow. I don't know. I'm not going to be mad at him. I'd le- I would personally like to see it because I think that there is a good player in there and I want to see how good he can become. And I think that there's a better chance of that happening in Europe than it is in, in America. Is that fair? I hope that's not anti-patriotic. No, I think that's, I think that's, that's fair and balanced. Uh, can, um, speak, speaking of balanced, can I, yeah. can I do a, a pitch talk, turf talk? About the game in Charlotte? Yes. Oh, okay. So because you were in your little box, you did not probably hear the early commentary. And Stu Holden doing the Lord's work. I mean, it's so great to have a a pitch like him, a pitch aficionado like him, who pointed out something that I didn't really think about. But so that field was laid directly onto the turf. Hmm. So there was no sand uh, underneath, no base uh, for it to attach itself to or to lay it on. It was on the turf. That's not good. And last night, uh, Stu pointed that out. And he also pointed out there was basically a dead bounce. You could kick the ball um, 20, 30 yards in the air, and it would just almost die in the grass with only a, a little hop. Players were losing their footing. It was very hard to dribble. It was, I, I imagine a very plush bath towel. And imagine all those bath towels were were stitched together to make a field. That's how the ball ran. And it was, I mean, it, 
the US still scored goals, but there was times where Trinidad and Tobago players and US players were like getting their studs caught or they were slipping and it was it was not good. It was not a good look at all. And even passing, you really had to put your foot through the back of the ball. When you dribbled with it, it kind of popped up as it dribbled. It was it reminded me of the Azteca Stadium in 1986 for the Mexico World Cup, which was an infamously terrible surface. And uh, Gary Lineker, John Barnes, they said about playing against Argentina that it was one of the great things about Maradona was he was so used to playing on bad surfaces. This didn't cause him any problems because it was a truly awful surface. And last night was the same thing. Far too spongy is how I'd put it. And, um, and I'm just glad nobody got hurt, or at least I don't think anybody did. Interesting. The Americans did not look very affected by it. Uh, the game looked uh, pretty easy for them, see, and their goals is, were pretty clinical. This is the trend I, though. Um, if you watch, for example, I think it was Brandon Vasquez's goal, and his first touch is behind him. Yeah. And he recovers well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 is a, a symptom of the field. If you watch, when the camera pans down to pitch level, if you watch the ball move or the, you watch the way the players strike the ball through the turf or through the grass, you could tell the difference. I, I mean, you, you kind of have to, you, it, it reminds me of, there used to be tournaments played in Jersey and there still are um, at rec centers and they'd only have so many soccer fields and then they'd have to use like for maybe the U12 or U13, the small sided fields, they'd use the outfield of a baseball diamond and of a baseball pitch. And that grass is always very lush, not watered, a little bit longer and very, very thick. And the ball would move differently on that, too. So uh, it's just, I mean, us us pitch guys, we, we just know these things. Uh, good for you. Um, I don't know. I thought they looked, they didn't look too bothered by it. That was my, that's no, my they won 6 nil. I'm just pointing, um, uh, people ask for a turf talk and okay. I give the people what they want. Always. No, you're right. You're right. That's true. Um, in terms of any other, I mean, we talked a lot about Ferreira. I would say, um, Georgie Mihalovic looks, I've always thought pretty highly of him. He, he, I thought had a pretty good group stage. Looked good last night. Um, good for Gianluca Buzio going back to North Carolina, scoring a goal. Uh, that was, that was nice to see as well. Thought, I mean, look, the Jamaica game was what it was. We talked about how there was always a chance that a Jamaica are a pretty decent team as kind of bore itself out over the, the remainder of the group stage. Um, and beyond that, just an American team that hadn't played together before that, you know, there was a chance that game was going to be disjointed. It sort of was, it was a good thing that they got a point since then they've, they, they appear to have clicked and they're doing so at the right time. Um, and so now into the quarterfinals, they go, that's going to be not till next Sunday at 9 PM. Uh, against the second place finisher in Group D, which at, think at 9 time PM, of right? well nine thirty six p.m. I, <laughs> somewhere between nine and ten, that I would say, <laughs> be prepared for a ball to be kicked in a competitive game. Um, we don't know yet who the opponent for that will be at time of recording. Uh, could be Guatemala, uh, could be Guadalupe, could be Canada. Um, right now it's Guatemala, but that could change. Canada in third right now. This that this would be a bad look for the Canadian national team, if they can't get out of that group. Yeah. Um, especially so we'll considering see. the players at their disposal. Um, yeah. It's bit there. I, I keep saying it. They're in a kind of a torpor. Um, they were so good. I, th- I think we saw the absolute peak, their absolute Zenith in qualifying. And the world cup was just a bridge too far for them. Although they, they had patches of play where you thought they were very, very good. And now they're in this kind of hangover, which can happen to teams and they have to kind of, find themselves again and 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 it's going to be a real test of herdman to see can he get uh get more out of this team or, or not get more but get it back to maybe that level they had in qualifying 
Yeah. Uh, and then finally, the only other group stage thing I wanted to mention, uh, how about Mexico, JJ? I mean, look, as a fan of a, of their direct rival, I always enjoy seeing them lose. That's fun for me, but not like this. I mean, Qatar is like the special guest entrant into the tournament beating yeah. Mexico. And what were the shots? 25 to 1 in favor of Mexico, but they could not, for the life of them, find an equalizer. It's, Possession it's was one, like 80-20. It's one of the great, great stat lines. Uh, Mexico, 25 shots, 6 on target, which is not great from 25. No, no. Um, and then uh, Qatar, one shot, one shot on target, one goal. Yeah. As, I don't think uh, they should be in this tournament. I really don't. Well, I mean, it, it's they're they're a regular in it now. It's, they're part of they're part of the Gold Cup and all of its traditions. Uh, so yeah, congrats to them. Mexico still go through. They win that group. They were able to play kind of a weakened side, but for Qatar, they needed that to go through, and and indeed they do. So you know, now we start to get into more of the business end of this tournament. The only one other thing, what one. Day, maybe we'll have more time to talk about this, but like, what has happened to Costa Rica? I mean, like, there was a time when this was kind of like, yeah, it would fluctuate a little bit, but like, this was a three team region yeah. Mexico, US, and Costa Rica. And like, now Canada has certainly obviously burst through that threshold, but it's not like they've burst through in addition to Costa Rica. It's come at the Costa Rican expense as they are just, they're nothing now. I mean, I would love to hear from. Costa Rican supporters, any of them who may may listen to this show, who can shed some light on just what's gone on there, because we're not, do you not we're not that far removed from them going deep in a World Cup. Do you not think though it's a it's a kind of a basically what's happened is, and this is me hypothesizing, they've just their their key players just got old, and the gap between the new players that are coming through uh, is is just that little bit too much. I'm, I'm sure that's a uh, that's probably it. Is that they had a, a golden generation, for lack of a better term, and then nothing after that. I know, but they they do have some young players coming coming through. But it's going to be it's going to be a little time like before they really uh, break through. And they don't also have like say for example, look at the start in midfield, like uh, Suarez, their young fella, not playing in Europe. Um, Christopher Nunez, well, I mean, he plays for the group. He plays in the Greek Super League, um, and then uh, Bor, um, Celso Borges. Well, he, where is he now? He's, I mean, he's what he's in the Costa Rican league. Like there was a time where they had players in the Premier League and they had players in, you know, playing in European football in in the top flight, and it's it's not the case anymore. That's another thing. Yeah. Now, look, d- depending on what happens, they could still go through um, from, from their first two games. They they collected one point. They lost to Panama. They drew nil-nil with El Salvador. They play Martinique in the final game. Martinique right now are second in the group with three points. El Salvador and Costa Rica both have one. So if Costa Rica win and El Salvador lose to Panama, um, then Costa Rica could still go through. But just seeing the bottom of that group, just seeing, like, generally speaking, the way that they've played over the last couple of years, it's just it's just not the team that we knew them to be even as little as, like, five years ago, four years ago. Um, they've, they've fallen on tough times there, unquestionably. Anything else on the Gold Cup group stage, JJ? Don't think so. I think that's it. Okay. Well, then, you you referenced it before, but we, we've gone and done this now. In honor of July 4th, JJ, we've compiled 
our list of the top 10 most American things about American soccer. Should we should we give them to the people what we, we believe them should. to be? And we should say we're going to do it in the style of Letterman, and then we might discuss a couple of them afterwards. But it's I going always... to be... It's going to be a Letterman top 10 list style. Yeah, I always loved David Letterman, uh, his show and his top 10 lists. Um, so we'll just go through them rapid fire, back and forth. You want to start okay. us out? All right. Uh, number 10. Massive support for the team at World Cups. All right. Number nine, battling with English supporters on Twitter. Number eight, being self-conscious about what the rest of the world <laughs> thinks of us. Number seven, games that start 36 minutes after their listed start times. Number six, fireworks after games that don't decide anything. <laughs> Number five, getting mad at Americans who play well in our American domestic league. Number four, artificial turf. Number three, collectively hating our manager. And number two, loving all the things that our manager does that doesn't have to do with soccer. And the number one most American thing about American soccer is having all soccer-related arguments eventually end at the same point, promotion, relegation. That is your top 10 list, JJ, of the most American things about American soccer. I, I think uh, we nailed I like it. A, I, like, I, like it. I, think I really do like a lot of this list. Um, we should say that the, the, the number one about all arguments ending at the same point with promotion, relegation is a variation on Godwin's law. Well, what is uh, that? All, uh, it also it's also known as Godwin's rule of Hitler analogies. Oh, my it's a, God. It's a statement maintaining that if any online discussion continues long enough, someone would almost certainly compare someone else to Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> so so, so, you, uh, so the, the belief is that if all if two people are having a conversation about American soccer, if that conversation is allowed to proceed all the way to its natural end, it will at some point get to promotion relegation. A thousand percent. And for some people, it's going to get there real quick, real (laughs) quick. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. But uh, getting mad at Americans who play well in our American domestic league is chef's kiss. American soccer, as well as games that start 36 minutes after the games that start at 10 or six. We were told nine when we were told nine 30. Yeah, amazing. It's, it's as American as it the, gets. Even the number. Uh, what, what time do you want to have kickoff at? Ten or six? Yeah. What, what are you yeah, talking about? It's, it's it's how it has to be. It just is. And then for those who weren't sure, the loving all things that our manager does that doesn't have to do with soccer is a direct reference to Greg Berhalter's shoes and behind the back passes. Yeah. Um, in fact, when we're doing a hype video about him returning as manager after a major controversy coming back in as dividing opinion amongst us soccer fans. We'll just do a compilation of bounce passes. Yeah. Before we move on, I, I should say some of these, even you had a hard time adjusting to, as you kind of worked your way in among American soccer culture. I think the fireworks one after games that don't oh. decide titles, you really struggled with that. I really did. And I think it was, it was ultimately compounded by that night at the uh, Orlando City Stadium mm-hmm. where the U.S. battered. Um, who was it they battered? Panama. Well, it was Panama, right? It was Panama. Off with the fireworks, even though the job was not completed. And I, I know what people will say. Well, you know, it was fair enough to think we'd go to Cuba and get the job done. Oh. But uh, it was just so bad. It, it, I, it will never leave me. It will, and it was a full. The stadium they shot up from the from the stands. Amazing light show, and for one second I was like, "Does that was there some kind of 
confluence of results that mean we've qualified tonight? And no. you were like, no, 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 we still have to go and get a result in, in Trinidad and Tobago. Ah, yeah. ah. No, we just do this. I told you, every NFL game, at, when the ball is kicked off at the start of the game, boom, firework. Even, even we have like, so many fireworks, we don't, we've run out of things to do with them. So 4th of July only rolls around once a year. New Year's Eve is once a year. We have too many fireworks, so we're going to use them when we can. Even at bad teams, bad teams, so like the Jets when they were terrible. Yeah, bang, bang, kick off. kick off, fireworks. Wow. No, 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 no. So you still haven't. That's one that you still struggle with to this yeah. day. Well, I suppose, you haven't like, embraced it yet. I suppose in, in Europe, um, at, the, at the Six Nations in the rugby, it doesn't matter how the team are doing. They'll do the flames as the team comes out. All right. You know, you know, yeah. So, I mean, but that's coming from, that's coming from the United States. I, I just don't think like, I mean, it, you, you've got to be good to warrant these, these, these trappings. Why is that such a controversy? But that's, that's the, the American way is you don't, you don't have to. Right. It's okay. for everyone. This is the <laughs> land of the free JJ. We all get it. Uh, gotcha. let's, Let's see, we continue now. By the way, for all of you out there, the animals or anybody on Twitter, uh, I'm sure in, in our 10 most American things about American soccer, we probably left off 100 others. Tell them. Tell them to us. We would love to hear from you as well. At we SoccerPod on Twitter, Caught Offside Pod on Instagram, uh, Caught Offside Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave us a rating, a ranking, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Even if you've done one already, stop someone in the street take their phone actually don't take their phone but tell them to leave a review for us that would be good yeah uh let's see before we continue jj as we're talking about the most american things that you can do uh around fourth of july it, it seems like the right time to remind everyone that support for caught offside is brought to you by manscaped oh yeah that's right what's more God. american than manscaping jj nothing uh, listen literally nothing i did the uh, a little outline of the state of arkansas in my pubes this morning oh, that's so that's your go-to state huh no, I'm going through all 50 states. Oh, oh, oh. and you're yeah. still in the A's. Yeah. And, and with the amazing technology that Manscaped have, they make it so easy. Yeah, that's interesting. Are you even able to like, well, we don't need to get into details. I was going to no, ask we about can the, get into detail. The Ozark Hills and all that stuff. But I think the, let's just let's just leave it alone. The only problem with my groinal region is I had surgery down there. Uh, I had a, a sports hernia when I was like 21, 22. Uh, I, I had the hernia because I was just so good at sports, Andrew. I Is that why myself. you get those things? Yeah, when you're so good, your your insides explode. Um, yeah, but I had you, a. You probably love getting athletes' foot too. <laughs> Gross. Uh, yeah, so I have a scar down there, and whenever I uh, I tend to the garden, so to speak, with the great quality products from Manscaped, uh, the scar reemerges, and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. So sometimes uh, when I do a map of a state it doesn't look quite accurate because it's got this kind of um it's got this valley going through it that's a, it might be perfect when you get to like the peas with pennsylvania a little lake erie right there yeah perfect absolutely perfect it's amazing i thought that scar would uh, would have healed a bit nicer than it did but it has not no no that's unfortunate uh let's see manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. It's still going on, everybody. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. You've heard this now for, for we're going on months. And if you've been kind of on the edge, I, this is it. This is the moment. This 
let this be the moment to push you over the top. JJ's trimming states into his groin with this thing. It, it's it's just that good. The 4000K LED spotlight is it helps I'm sure tremendously JJ as you're going through the outer edges. Hugely um, if you want the accuracy. Now there's some states which are pretty square. You know, you got some nice square. Well, I mean states. once you get to Colorado and you know those those will be that's almost that where's the fun in that? The the, the fun is 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 accuracy, my dear boy. But um, but Colorado's a square. Yeah, yeah, very too, easy. I'm but, saying it's too easy. You want yeah, to get to the tricky too, one. You want to you want to be dealing with the Puget Sound in Washington State. Oh, that's true. Well, let me tell you, I am postponing that one till very late on in my project because I I don't I don't know if I have the skills. But the man. Well, fortunately be, for you, if we're going alphabetically, it's in the W's, so you got some time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Indiana, you got your square, and then at the bottom, oh, it gets a bit funky. Um, so yeah, it's uh, actually Arkansas is quite easy. Pretty easy. It's pretty boxy. It's almost like a, a rhombus. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Oh, this is really something, isn't it? We are really get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code caught offside. Unlock your confidence and your artistic ability and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ, and we move from from the patriotism of the United States all the way over to Europe. That's right, because things are happening on the transfer market that need to be addressed urgently. Um, JJ, I want to talk about your club a little bit, Liverpool, as they've triggered Dominic Sabazlai's seventy million. I believe the, the release clause was seventy million pounds mm. uh, from RB Leipzig, and he will now be a Liverpool player. He joins Jurgen Klopp. Um, for whatever you, th- I don't know what everybody thinks of Pro Football Focus. I, I find them to be a nice gauge of a player, but they put out a tweet about Sub's life and his 2022-23 campaign. Um, his uh, ball carrying grade was ninth in the Bundesliga. His passing grade was twelfth in the Bundesliga, and his shooting grade was sixteenth. Pretty solid numbers for this player who now enters the Premier League. And I'll say this about Liverpool. Um, because we don't know if they've if these players are are the right players just yet, but right. based on all the things that you specifically and everyone I know really who who supports Liverpool has said about this club over the last year, their head is certainly in the right place because that midfield appeared to be broken or at least breaking, uh, and they're acknowledging it. They've seen what the problem is and they are setting about to fix it. McAllister now Sabozlai. We'll see if there's done if they're done there. It seems like there's rumors of, of possibly more moves in the midfield, but I would think JJ Liverpool fans, um, without necessarily knowing that this is the right guy, I think that they would probably be at least applauding the the methodology of what's going on in this window so far. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Us Liverpool fans that have been scarred by the signing of Naby Keita will have some reservations. Everybody talks about the Bundesliga tax when a player comes in from that league and we have some notable um, exceptions of players who have not flourished in the Premier League. But I would have, I mean, just on what I've seen of of Zabislai and his general play, his technical ability, it's hard not to be excited about him. Um, he's, he's, you know, he can play pretty much across the attacking midfield in any of those attacking midfield roles. And he looks great. He really does. Now, again, I have a certain amount of trepidation because I suppose the difference between him and Naby Keita was Keita came with such fanfare. I mean, Keita was signed, but then he didn't join initially right. 
And then he came and he played a little bit and we thought, oh, he's good. And then he was injured and then injured and then just descended into a constant patter, pattern of injury. And But Keita was talked about for ages before he joined the club. Zabasla is not in that bracket. And so he kind of comes in, I won't say under the radar, um, because people know about his technical ability, but he does come in with a little bit less heat on him than Keita did. And that might be a good thing for him to start out with. I'll say this about Liverpool. And I've kind of said this for a while now. And I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if you roll your eyes or if you like to hear this. I don't know. But I firmly believe that it is not over for this club with this manager. Far from it, I think. Well, I but acknowledge. That's, but that's to be proven. You don't have the, there's no data. Well, everything we say here is speculative. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I'm no, telling it's you what not I that, think. It's, it's not that it, it's it's speculative. Um, it's more speculative than than other things because we've never seen. It's not like Pep Guardiola with winning leagues in various countries. We've seen him do that. What we're saying is, we haven't seen Klopp put together a second act anywhere. That's what we're saying. Well, but we're not here, saying we're not saying but, it can't happen. It looks as if he's going to be back to do so. Um. By the way, did you see that Sky um, Sky Sports Insider? So Sky Sports have their transfer desk. And, you know, it's it's such a big part of football now. In fact, it's probably oversized. But transfers, you know, they take it very seriously on Sky Sports. I can't remember the name of the journalist, but he came on basically 24 hours before uh, they dropped 70 million for Jabezlai. <laughs> and... He was saying, oh, Liverpool, I've, I, they have to be very financially prudent. They haven't got the money to spend and supporters will be kind of frustrated, maybe, et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing they sign, it's obviously the next day. And you're like, what? what is the point of having this transfer desk with, with this inside knowledge when it's clearly erroneous? Analysis that is not aging well in the span of 24 hours. I mean, look, yeah. this is all, I don't know. I, I can only imagine how difficult it is to do that job. I think that like, there's a lot of misinformation that's probably fed from teams, from agents. That that job is probably not an easy one. So yeah, no, it's, it's, not. It's, it's not, that's not a good look, but I don't know. I'm not going to kill these guys for it. But I, I say this about Liverpool only because in like, not just the Sabazlai signing, the McAllister signing, although you know what I think of McAllister. I just, I just think that like, yes, last season was a, that was a reset year. There's clear guys were tired, guys were hurt, new guys came in who evidently weren't as ready as maybe Liverpool supporters hoped that they would be. If this team comes back refreshed with guys like Gakpo and Darwin Nunez up to speed, guys like Jota and Luis Diaz healthy, guys like Salah, Van Dyke refreshed, uh, like there's no reason in my mind why this team isn't right where Arsenal was last year, which may not, again, that may not be good enough. Like maybe they're not necessarily winning a title, but like there's no reason for me that they can't be in a title race with this team deep into the spring. Okay. I just, um, one thing on Liverpool's finances and it, it's fair to note that having no champions league football is a serious blow to Liverpool. And I didn't expect there to be quite so much activity, although they did get, uh, McAllister to reduce rate. We know they yeah. pay. Some oh of my the, god! The, we know they pay some of the highest wages in, in in the Premier League, though. So, I mean, there's all that to be added in. But the Athletic said that UEFA's annual financial reports published every March and the last five seasons on record detail that Liverpool have earned 422 million pounds sterling 
half a billion almost from their exploits in the Champions League. Mm. Last season's adventure to the final brought in 119,000. Well, sorry, 119 million euros. Better. Almost 120 million euros. Ah. So they have money to spend. Let's be honest. I, yeah, they do have money to spend. They have a massive wage bill, but they also need these players to hit, Andrew, Mm -hmm. in a big, big way. Because you don't want to be out side of that money machine of the Champions League for very, very long. Yeah, that is true. Now, one of the teams that's inside of the Champions League money machine, and it, and it's showing, Newcastle. Um, as it appears, they have now made it official. It's been talked about for probably a week, couple weeks now, maybe a little more even. But uh, Sandro Tonali of AC Milan becomes the new most expensive Italian player of all time, which feels like a trivia question, JJ. Eclipsing the 68 million euro deal for this player back in 2009. Ooh. Wow. Well, actually, no, 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 not Italian player. That's the wrong. Coming from Serie A. Yeah, yeah. A player who went from a Serie A club uh, out of Serie A. The most expensive Serie A player, I guess, of all time. Because he's not Italian. Shevchenko. No, Kaká. Oh. 68 million when he went from AC Milan to Real Madrid. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but Tenali is a defensive midfielder, which is kind of interesting as well. Um, yeah, uh, Newcastle kind of flexing that muscle a little bit. Not, not exactly the flurry of signings gone into the club this summer yet, but uh, at the same time, that seems like a significant upgrade over what they have in that midfield position. And midfield is a place that they do need to continue to upgrade. So. Um, so a nice little piece there from it for Eddie Howe. Yeah, no, certainly is. And you would expect that for that club to be the tip of the sword here um, as we continue deeper into the uh, the transfer window. Uh, one other note, speaking of AC Milan, Christian Pulisic, um, it seems now that he is, in fact, going to leave Chelsea. We've kind of felt that that's probably the, the best course for him to take. And AC Milan appears to be his preferred destination. Leon, we're in for him. He has rejected that move. He wants AC Milan as his choice. What do you think of that? Um, yeah, I, 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 why? <laughs> I, I, what do you I, mean? I, guess, I guess of the suitors, of the people who want to buy him, that's the best spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I really don't. I, I'm kind of perplexed because I saw a uh, report from another insider, these insiders, Andrew, uh, who suggested that he will be back in MLS by 2026, um, which would seem, I don't know, it's not, not the career path we all had mapped out for uh, the boy wonder at the start. Yeah. I mean, AC Milan. Okay, Champions League uh, semi-finalists had a good season. Uh, maybe not, not maybe not st- anything stellar domestically. Okay. I mean, they they managed to go on a campaign that saw them go as far as they did uh, to the, the semifinals of the Champions League, while also being able to qualify for the Champions League this season. Uh, so I think that it would be good to have Pulisic still in the Champions League uh, as AC Milan finished fourth last year. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm good with it. I think it's, yeah, I like that he's going to be playing European football. 
uh, if he does wind up making the move there. We'll see what else they do. I mean, as AC Milan have been interested in, in a few Americans, it sounds like, with also Yunus Musa being a, a potential target. Um, so we'll see as they they may be uh, the new leads, JJ. And we all know how that turned out. Oh, boy. Everything so went, went perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that, of course. Um, we'll certainly always interested where the the former boy wonder, now male grown-up wonder, uh, where he's going to be plying his trade. Uh, I don't have much else, JJ. Last thing I wanted to say was uh, a goodbye to Cesc Fabregas, who announced his retirement um, this past week, which led to two reactions for me. Um, my first one being, he's only 36 years old? I couldn't believe that. Seems like you could have told me he was 46, and I might have believed you. I feel like I've been aware of him forever. And the second reaction I had was, he hadn't retired already? He's he was still no. playing. No, he's he's at uh, Como, Como FC yeah. in Serie B with a um, with a a, a local lad from where I come from, from Tobacurry, Liam Kerrigan signed. Uh, he's an Ireland under twenty one international, and he signed with them from UCD in Dublin. Uh, and he's been recently rehabbing a ACL injury, and so I've been messaging him as if I know any. Like this guy's a professional footballer. With, um, because I think Thierry Henry, Fabregas, and a couple of other people have invested in Como, and uh, and that's how he ended up there. And um, so I I I I'd be DMing Liam, asking him how his rehab is going, just because I've had an ACL, as if I'm even close to the footballer this guy is, or have any insight. This is this is the levels I'm operating at. But um, yeah, Liam posted a picture of him, um. Uh, I, I, on the sideline or at training or something for Como besides Cesc Fabregas. And um, Fabregas looked in great shape, only 36. I, I don't know how you view Fabregas's career, Andrew, but... I view it very highly. I think very highly of him. I think, I th- I th- I think he was class, absolutely class. But do you think, and I know injuries did diminish him a lot, do you think when he was at his peak with Arsenal, it never, it never got better than that, did it? Really? I know he he, he won a league with Chelsea, um, but it never, it never reached the heights, did it? Well, what are you suggesting that you that he should have been what Souls a mainstay or... for Spa- a mainstay for Spain and multiple and a and a starting multiple Premier League winner? Remember, he was on those nearly Arsenal teams, yeah, that got just stripped away asset stripped by Manchester United and, and mostly Manchester City. Um, yeah, timing is everything. When he came into the league in 2000 and what, 2004, 2005, I mean, he played at the old Highbury as, yeah. a, six, as a 16, 17 year old. Andrew, like that. he was so good. So good. And it just never, injuries did do a lot of damage, I will say that. I guess. I don't know. I, I always thought pretty highly of him. Well, let me ask you, now that we've got the uh, the Premier League Hall of Fame, right? D- does he make it in? God, to me, he, I think I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I'm going to get crushed for this. Um, I mean, how big's the hall? Basically, how many we let well, in this th- hall? These, these are the moments when we get to kind of decide that. I, ooh. and I am not looking at any stats right here for Cesc Fabregas. I am. Um, just talking off the top of my head. Um, I think he doesn't get in. 
Uh, is that crazy? Is that I think crazy? You're, I think you're wrong. I think you're All wrong. Right. I saw this stat. If we're going to do stats, this is from who scored. Um, they tweeted this most accurate, uh, most accurate through balls since the start of the 2014-15 Premier League season. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne with 82. Riyad Mahrez mm-hmm. is next at 60. And Cesc Fabregas, who hasn't played in the Premier League since January of right. 2019, okay. is still third. Wow. Okay. I mean, his he he. So here's like his Premier League record is not massive. Like 350 appearances is good. It's not huge though. 50 goals, okay, but he has 111 assists. That seems like a big number. It is that, a big number. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's I'm, a Hall of Famer. He is twice a Premier League champion, but with but with Chelsea. What does that What does that mean? But with Chelsea. Uh, by the way, I am now I am now reading stats, which hmm. no, but with Chelsea, that um. Yeah, maybe maybe he was more important to those teams than I remember. This is why we've got listeners. Refresh my memory. Tell me why I'm wrong and that he is an absolute Hall of Famer. He's also the focal point of the most disappointing gift I've ever been given. I've told you about this. I think I've that said is, this story on the podcast. Your before. parents, they they really got they <laughs> they did not read the Andrew their heart, heart their heart was in the right place. They just didn't know. Their didn't brain know. wasn't in the right place. They literally handed you an act of war. When I was, you know, I don't know, this was years ago, um, and my parents went to London, and um, they they knew how much I loved soccer, and they saw it at Harrods, the famous department store in London. Um, there was a soccer player who was there signing autographs, and the line was just enormous. So they just assumed, oh, this must be somebody really, really important. And they were right. However, what they didn't understand was Arsenal and Tottenham are the most bitter of bitter rivals and the player who was signing was Arsenal's Cesc Fabregas. And so when they got home, they said, you're not going to believe this, but we got you something and you're going to love it. And they mm. present me with an Arsenal hat signed by Cesc Fabregas. And I had to fake enthusiasm and appreciation. And that thing has been in my closet collecting dust ever since. You should just put it on eBay, dude. And maybe I should, maybe I should think about doing that. Is that petty? Mm-hmm. Do I need to grow up a little bit? Like or, No, because or, I'm sure they've forgotten they got it for you. Well, I just mean in the way that I feel about it, that like I can't even look at it, that I, that it's like sickens me that I own. No, it. I wouldn't be like that. Like if someone got me. Like he's a legend. Yeah. I just put I just put him in the Hall of Fame. Do I need to like, do I need to? Well, you know what? If somebody handed me an Emmett Smith autographed hat, I could be 70 years old. I'd say, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Wow. Get out okay. of my sight. So you know what? No, I think I'm right. I think if I was given an autograph like Beckham Manchester United jersey or something like that, I think I'd find a place for it. I don't think I'd chuck it away. What a liar. Think I'm lying? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think so. I don't think you'd... <laughs> I'm not saying... I, I might put I it think... in the toilet. It might be above the toilet. But I I don't know if I'd throw it away. Like it's, you know, football memorabilia so, so... is cool. So how about I, all right, this year, how about I get you a, a McNabb autographed picture? What are you going to do with it? No, that's different. That feels right, or different. if you handed me, oh, Andrew, guess what? I got you. A, here's a David Wright autographed baseball. Oh, let <laughs> me see if I can throw this into the ocean. Goodbye. And we know it's your feeble arms. There's no chance of that. Uh, that's about all I got. That's about okay. all I got on this pod. JD, me you too. got anything else? Okay. No, me yeah, too. That's... I just want to wish everybody a happy and safe 4th of July. Uh, I hope. 
I hope you grill at the appropriate temperature. I hope no one gets salmonella. I hope you take a chance to reflect on uh, the good and the bad of this amazing country. And I hope you get a chance to reflect on us. Yeah, that's, that's I had just no idea an, where this was going. No, that's idea. an important. That's an important part of the Fourth of July holiday is reflection on your favorite soccer podcasts. I would also say we were joking earlier about fireworks, but I will say this: I know a lot of people are going to like buy them and use them. Please, God in heaven, be safe with them. Please, like, allow the people who actually know what they're doing with those things to be the one who handle them, uh, because I know that those can be dangerous, and that is my um, that is my Surgeon General's warning for this yeah. episode. Uh, JJ, have a great Fourth of July. I hope uh, I hope you and your family, your first one as a family of three. I hope it's an awesome time. I'm sure it will be, and um, and we'll be back again, I guess, later this week as we uh, as we look ahead to the the next group stage match for the U.S. in the quarterfinals. We'll know their opponent at that point, and we'll know a whole bunch of new transfers that have gone down in uh, in Europe as well. JJ, good stuff, buddy. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.